The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Money in Your Life, the radio program that gives you the insight and motivation to be more successful with all aspects of your personal finances. Your hosts are Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. Today's program will feature experts and intriguing ideas that will show you how money is actually operating in your life. Now, here are Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. Happy New Year. You have Money in Your Life, a weekly show about how money influences your life. I'm Brian Farr. And I'm Ann Hutchins. Happy New Year, Brian. I'd like to start us off repeating a joke I heard the other day. Is that okay by you? Yeah, go for it. A man walks into a bar, asks the bartender for three glasses, each with one shot of whiskey. The bartender thinks it's odd, but decides just to wait and see what happens, so he pours the shots. The man drinks them slowly, and after about an hour, pays the tab, thanks him, and leaves. Next evening, at the same time, he's back again and repeats the routine. This goes on for about a week, and finally, the bartender says, Mind if I ask you... Why do you come in and ask for three individual shots? We can make this easier, you know. And the man says, well, (laughs) I have two brothers, and every day after work, we used to get together for a drink, share our day, and mull over events. And it was really a nice way to end the day. My two brothers got new jobs and moved, but we decided before they left that we'd each go to a bar at the same time every day, have a shot for each of us, mull over the day, and remember each other. So that's what we do. (laughs) Yeah, the bartender says, yeah, the bartender says, wow, what a nice story. Thank you for sharing it. A few days later, the man comes in. The bartender sets up the three glasses, but the man says, "Uh, oh, no, only two glasses today. The bartender doesn't want to ask, afraid something happened to one of the brothers, but the same thing happens the next day. So on the third day, the bartender says, you know, I'm afraid to ask. I hope everything's okay, but why only two glasses now? Oh, says the man, I've quit drinking. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) that may seem like it has nothing to do with financial coaching or money in your life. But, you know, the reason that that story struck me is each of us has something we want to do differently or better or more of. And we keep getting in our own way by telling ourselves tomorrow or if only he or she or if only I had. So why is it that there are some people who rarely or never run into this barrier? And how can we take this barrier down or go around it? Yeah, that is such a (laughs) – when I I think about that, um, I was was a partner in investment management firm years ago. And we would have annual meetings – and sit down with the client and talk about this and that and uh, what then they would frequently say oh i'm going to do this a little bit differently i'm going to make this change in the way that i work with my money and you know eight times out of ten 
they'd come back a year later and there wouldn't be any change. Um, so it's, it's something that I think that, that all of us who, you know, just if we're living our life, we're aware of change, but particularly those of us who are coaches or investment managers, um, we see that the best of intentions that people can have frequently aren't enough to get past the, the, the resistance to change that people have within them. And, um, and I think that that's, that's a lot of, of what we all need to work with is to become more aware of what's that resistance about? What's holding us back? Yeah, it's the, you know, it's the big things, the task, the little things, the getting the groceries and getting the kids to school and making breakfast, lunch or dinner or going out to dinner on the weekend. Those are the things that are short term and they're easier to do. Those get done. Yeah, exactly. But it's the big rocks that people want to move, mm-hmm. and that's hard. You know, uh, professors uh, Robert Kagan and Lisa Leahy at the Harvard School of Ed have done a lot of work on something we coaches know as immunity to change. Mm-hmm. And that's that's some of the context for what we're talking about, that yeah. immunity. Yeah, when I first came across their work, it was it was like an instant recognition that they were on to something. Um, they have done uh, over the years. I won't go into the whole background. Their book is called Immunity to Change, and it's uh, it's accessible, and um, it's also it's, you you can Google that and find different articles that have been written on it. It's been out for some time, but it's a real brilliant. Um, it's almost like an x-ray, like a little roadmap of what's going on in our mind so we can get clear on what is it that we're bumping up against. Yeah, it's, uh, a, great, it's a great framework. It's a yeah. great framework for individual change, and I use it a lot for clients in coaching. And so mm-hmm. today we're going to go through a couple of case studies on immunity to change, and they're composites mm-hmm. of clients that we have had over yeah. time. Yeah, as always, we, we maintain the confidentiality of our clients, so we take some facts from this case and some facts from that case and blend them together into a composite so we can everybody's confidentiality is maintained. But the patterns, um, the patterns are shared across people, and so that's what we're trying to bring out in our show today, Yeah, uh, how to successfully work with this. Yeah, absolutely. So shall we jump right in with this? Sure. Okay, so the um, the immunity map worksheet is is one that can be found online. It's it's their basic one, and that may sound like a, a you know a complex thing, but the reason that immunity to change has become so popular and is so uh, it is because it's so clear. And I think that the, the there's the the first the, there's four columns on the worksheet, and then the first column is one we're all familiar with: our goal. What's the improvement we want to make? And, and that's one that, um, let's, let's, I, I'll take a case of a couple. Um, I'll, I'll call them uh, Katie and Michael. They're a couple who are in their early 30s, and they've been living together for, it was, we'll call it two years. It's been a while. Um, and they hope to get married, and they also hope to have one or two children. But each month, uh, this is when they came in and started talking to me. They just really realized that each month, at the end of the month, they really have to scramble. Uh, there's not quite enough money to make it all the way through the month from their two paychecks. And so they came in to me saying, we want to have some kids. We want to you know, get married. We want to do things that require money, and we're not able to save money. What's going on? So their goal was to start saving money. Pretty straightforward. Uh, 
Um, that was their overall goal. Well, uh, you know, first of all, it's so incredible and really great that they're thinking about this in their 20s. Because yeah. one of the things that we've talked about is especially coming into a relationship and couples starting out, being really clear about the relationship with money at the very start yes. is really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think that it's, it's a very, very unusual person to get onto this in their early 20s. There are some, but by our late 20s into our early 30s, I think that then it becomes almost mandatory. If people don't get some consciousness around their relationship with money, um, they, you know, they're going to just wander down the road and probably get into some trouble. Um, but these, these two, they're an example of, of something gave them a little bit of a wake-up call, a little bit of a, a warning sign that, ooh, we're not going to be able to accomplish our goals unless we get some more clarity on what's holding us back here. Mm-hmm. Um, and like many of my clients, they were a pleasure to work with. They they had enough awareness that, that they were like, we want to do something, but we don't know what it is. So this is where the immunity to change came in. Um, the the first thing that that needs to be done, one, we've so we've identified their goal, started off with just that they want to save money. We'll come back in a little bit and give a more specific goal. But the, the next column in the immunity to change is behaviors that work against my goal. How are we sabotaging ourselves? And that column is the column where most all of us can write things down pretty quick. We can get clear on it. And unfortunately, that's where we stop our analysis. That's where we stop our understanding. And we feel bad that we're, you know, uh, in their situation. Um, There's the, uh, let me give a little bit more. They realized we did a snapshot which is just a, a, a brief look at, at household finances, income and expenses. And they realized that a lot of their f- expenses were fixed, like most of us, the rent and their car payment and those kinds of things. But their two big areas were uh, food and travel. And after further discussion, they realized travel wasn't an issue. They had taken some big trips, but they weren't going to take any trips this year, so they wanted to focus on food. And so their improvement goal got narrowed down to a 20% reduction in their monthly food expenses. So that, that may sound, and you've probably had clients who've, who've looked closely at their budgets and then chosen a particular category to work on. Um, is food one that comes up that you see? Food and entertainment. I think for a lot of my clients, it when they really look at what their spending is, they're surprised at how much they actually spend on food. And mostly it's the unconscious. It's getting getting lunch out yeah. on a consistent basis or it's going out and not really thinking about how many times a week you may be going out. Or it's, And it doesn't matter what the... Uh, what the income of the couple is right it is it can be it can be a very wealthy couple it can be a a couple like the couple that you're talking about when mm-hmm. the important thing is to really look at the areas and Brian and I have talked about this look at where you're spending and what your values are and if that the uh, the spending around food supports a value of entertainment or something that it fulfills and that's okay for you then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then it fits within your overall picture 
Yep, that's that's a good point because I think that one of the things that it, when we talk in terms of immunity to change, um, the the internal resistance is, oh my gosh, I, I don't want to give that up. I don't want to give up the connections uh, with other people. Actually, with, with uh, Katie and Michael, one of the things that they were doing, um, they're eating out three to five times each week, and they go out for brunch once or twice on the weekends. And the other component of their food budget is that they're purchasing quite a bit of prepared food at the grocery store, you know, at the deli case, mm-hmm. uh, rather than creating meals at home. And so those were identified and talked about and they realized those were not they, they, they were not values being violated if they were to cut that back great um, and so that that was the conversation in there is like what is it that, that fits in alignment because people need to make their own choices on this um, if it comes from external and it feels like you know you're being pushed around on your budget you're not going to do it but when it's your own when it's your own choices then you can follow through it sounds, in the context of what we're talking about, immunity to change. It sounds like there was a competing. There was a competing thought, though, with yes. that. Yes. What was Let's, that competing thought? Okay, so the and, and this is actually the third column. The the competing thought is there were three for these for uh, Katie and Michael. One was a desire to stay connected with friends. Two was convenience. With work, sports, health club, and hobbies, where will we find the time to shop and cook? That was like in, both of them had that in the back of their mind, and they'd kind of spoken about it before. But in my office, they got clear on it, and it was like, oh, that's, in a, that's something that we're doing. And then the third one, uh, fear we will not eat well. Neither one of us are good cooks. So those are competing commitments that were uh, identified through this process of the of the worksheet, the, the immunity map worksheet, and uh, it was it was really helpful. It took some time to get to that. I think mm-hmm. competing commitments are that's the real brilliance. There's two parts of it that makes immunity to change more powerful than any other change profile I've seen, and this is one of them. It gets underneath what is the, what is it that we're actually operating on what what's driving our um you know the the, the, the action. Our, this, our action yeah mm-hmm. the these are change resistant behaviors that's a phrase that gets used and it's that's why they talk about immunity to change it's like our physical body our body develops an immunity to certain things and um sometimes the body has to be retrained just like the mind well, you know, it's what strikes me is that that there are a couple of things going on here. The immunity to change what what they're seeing is they're they have a desired goal and they have a competing action. And you can be really creative around replacement actions. Mm-hmm. Yes. In that competing action. So, mm-hmm. for example, and we'll get, I'm sure we'll get to this with your client, but I had a, a friend, not a client, but I had a, a friend who people would call and she wanted to keep up with friends, but she didn't want to sit down at a restaurant or go out for coffee or do those things. So, she would ask people to go out for a walk with them, uh-huh. with her. At which a lot of people actually ended up liking because then they didn't have to, they had an exercise bucket yep. that it hit. 
yep. and it, it has a social bucket that yep. it had hit. Yep, yep, and it and it can impact the finances. I I, I worked with a couple that was very much like that. This would have been in '09, so that was after the market had crashed and everybody was you know um, much more willing to uh, to make some changes. And the the um, they started doing potlucks. And this, this was also a couple. This couple was in their mid-30s. And they, they would invite somebody over rather than the four of the, the two couples going out for a meal and spending the money that way. They f- prepared meal in each other's, you know, they would be one week, they'd be at somebody's house, and then two weeks later they'd come back to the other house. And they spoke about the shift in that. It's like the financial meltdown gave them a permission slip to do something different. And they experimented with it, and they found that they really liked it. So what happened with Katie and Michael? Well, Katie and Michael, in terms of uncovering these um, competing commitments, one of the things that, they, that, that we had to do was then move on to the fourth column of the immunity map, which is what are the big assumptions underlying? And what we found, what they uncovered, was they were afraid of becoming boring old people if they didn't go out to restaurants with friends. Oh, wow. That was that was buried underneath there, and it was like an aha moment that they kind of, it was like hanging on to friends that they'd had from their 20s and hanging on to a way of life that they'd really enjoyed in their 20s. And it turned out, I've, I've had the opportunity to, to work with uh, Katie and Michael numerous times where they they realized later that that was a turning point for them, that they had a big assumption that needed to be updated. And they, that, that then freed them up to start addressing these other heat, uh, hidden, the competing commitments. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that is really great. That's really it, great. It was freeing for them, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I, I think we... Um, I think we need to take a break. I think we do. I think we do. So we'll pause for a break. We'll be back in just a minute. If you'd like to join our conversation, please call 866-472-5790 or email us at moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. I'm Ann Hutchins with my co-host, Brian Farr, and you have money in your life. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The goal of financial coaching is to open up the conversation around money with your spouse, your children, or your extended family. Anne Hutchins works with individuals, families, and financial professionals to improve relationships with money. Her work with clients is confidential, honest, and fun. Visit Ann's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.abhutchins.com. That's abhutchins.com. Do you have financial goals for yourself? Do you want to be smart with money in all areas of your life? If you're ready to become more effective with your personal finances, then you might be ready to hire a financial coach. Since 2002, Brian Farr has helped hundreds of people improve their relationship with money. He's unbiased, honest, and approachable. 
If you'd like to learn more about financial coaching, visit Brian's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.brianhfar.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Always talking business? Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Money in Your Life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. I'm Ann Hutchins with my co-host Brian Farr. And today we're talking about immunity to change. Brian, before the break, you were talking about a young couple that Katie and Michael, was it? Michael, yep. Katie and Michael, who had made a pretty significant realization in what happened with their in their spending. Yep. yep. And after they made that realization, then what what were the next steps? It was it was almost like dominoes fell into place once they realized that that this was the competing. Um, they had the goal to save money so they could get married get married and start to have children and have a, they either one had one or two children they weren't sure um, but the underlying assumption they had was that if they didn't keep up the lifestyle that they'd been doing in their 20s they would become boring old people huh. and and once they saw that they could laugh they could let go of it and and then and then um, you know kind of update their assumptions and and really give a full value to a full priority to their goals of getting married and having and starting a family and letting go of the other one. Interesting. And did they use the worksheet that you're talking about? Uh, actually, they did not. I used. Okay. I worked through it without having the actual worksheet. And mm-hmm. and in the future, I I, I will uh, do it differently. Yeah. <laughs> this this worksheet is so simple and so clear. And I think the thing that it's, I'm wanting to, um, at the risk of overworking it, the reason they call it immunity to change, 
this uh, that Katie and Michael's example show it. They had a belief, a mindset within them about becoming boring old people, and that was the resistance. That was why they were not able to cut back on their food spending. Mm-hmm. And once they identified it, that's when, you know, it, it was that, that mindset was the immunity. It was causing the resistance to the change. And once they identified it, it's, it's like they, they got the proper medicine almost. It was, you know, to coming back to a physical analogy. And that belief system went away. That assumption went away. And then they were able to, to move forward with the current goals in their life rather than this old assumption that was no longer serving them. Yeah, what we're talking about really is bringing an, a, a very conscious thought to things that your brain just does on automatic pilot. Yes. Right, yeah. and it could be a money story that is no longer valid, and it could be as simple, I've had clients where presented with the idea of putting together a budget they balk, but if you call it something else, like yep. a, a fun plan or a travel plan, mm-hmm. it becomes something that they embrace. Yes. Even it's those little shifts, and that's part of a uh, part of the uh, Kagan uh, that the, their discussion is take little experiments, yep. and and it's something that I've learned. Like you're saying, the budget is a perfect example. I stopped using that budget word in my office probably ten years ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. until until we've we've had a number of sessions and they've got some forward momentum, and then we can start calling it a budget. But before then, it's it, it's making sure we don't trigger that resistance. Right. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. And and yeah. really, it, it, it takes some experimenting, yeah. though, and that's the important thing, to give yourself a break. Don't judge yourself. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're trying to change something, whether it is a – and we're mostly talking about habits around money. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to open up a conversation – with your spouse, then try it in little steps. Yes. Do experiments and yeah. really observe first what is happening for you. Mm-hmm. And don't try mm-hmm. to change the other person. That's, that's the mm-hmm. other thing mm-hmm. that happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm yep. curious, did, was all your work with Katie and Michael as a couple or did you have conversations with them individually we did a little bit individually mm-hmm. um and and it was uh, it was actually they were both in the room i like to work that way with folks um mm-hmm. but to focus on one person and and uncover uh this actually came back to the travel part of their budget and realizing that they had different attachments to the travel part for her the idea of not being able to travel back to the Midwest and be with her family uh, was two or three times a year. For her, that was a loss. She could, it was, it was, She did, just didn't even think of it as a possibility to not do that. It was mm-hmm. just a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for him, the travel was more along the lines of adventure travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and, and, and that was something that he'd been able to do. Uh, and they'd done a little bit of that. And so it, it was overlapped, but by working with them as in, in, in individuals, um, it got uncovered that they had two different 
storylines going on and and two different the underlying assumptions that each of them had and why they gave themselves permission slips to spend as excessively as they did in their travel budget and then did they one of the things that I do with my clients after uncovering this kind of realization is talk about an agreement going forward yes yeah say more about that well it's an agreement that is so Katie was it was important for her to go visit her family yep and for Michael it was important for him to have adventure yep and knowing that you you begin to create a budget together that accommodates both it may not be all at the same time yep but you realize that there is a different framework that each of you are coming at mhm Mm-hmm. And you have an agreement that says, okay, this year I will go visit my family only once, or I will visit my family twice, and we'll go on this trip together. Mm-hmm. Or for them, there was a, a splitting. They'd always done the trips to her family together, and they'd done the adventure travel together. And part of their agreement was to open that up where he might do an adventure trip by himself and she might do one trip back to the Midwest without him. Ah. And so so it begins, yeah, you begin to experiment with different yep. ways and mm-hmm. what works and how you, mm-hmm. how you operate as a couple or as individuals within the relationship. Yes, yeah. And going, going, you know, backing up, back up onto the balcony, as you say, in the bigger picture, the importance of communication in this whole process is very high. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think that that's one of the things that um, working with a coach is, is something that supports the communication. And then the coach is sort of like the memory that brings it back and brings it back. And so then people can, can knit that together. But it's certainly possible to do that without working with a coach if you're willing to write some things on paper. I have found yeah. that. That's, that's one of the key pieces, like when you're saying here, to, to sort out some agreements between the two individuals. If it's not written down, it doesn't quite get the, the, the um, half-life. You know, it, just, it, can, it can evaporate six months from now. Well, the other thing that I see is that it is a place to go when emotions around a subject get high. Yes, you go back to the agreement and say, this is what we talked about. Do we need to reevaluate the agreement? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this all sounds very clinical, and it takes time, mm-hmm. but it saves time, too. Mm-hmm. It saves mm-hmm. both time and money. You've probably seen this, Anne, where what I've seen again and again with clients is the first one or two times they do it, it feels unnatural. Well, because it is unnatural. It's something it is brand unnatural. new. Yeah. yeah. But then the third or fourth time, I can't tell you how frequently clients have come back and said, you know, this is working. We, we sit down every other Saturday morning for an hour, and we just haven't had any fights since we've been doing that. It becomes I mean, a relief. Yeah. yeah. It becomes a relief. And it's a, you know, our brains work on neural pathways. Absolutely. So the first couple of times, it's difficult because you're changing a pathway. You're... Yeah. It's just like we talked about in going out for a walk instead of going meeting for coffee. The default 
in our society is meat for a meal, meat for coffee. Uh-huh. So retraining to go out for a walk may seem sort of odd, mm-hmm. but it changes a pathway. And with your clients, the same thing happened. Yeah, yeah. And, and it sets up the, the really great thing is that it sets up a foundation for success for both of them. Yes, yeah, indeed. And a, and a way of operating as they go forward, which, again, we've had a number of uh, questions over our over the time of this show about, you know, we're in a, we've just gotten married, how do we set up our bank accounts and how do we have the conversation around money? And this mm-hmm. is really an important an important thing. Yeah, yeah. I want I want to come back to it. There's one thing we haven't highlighted in here, and it's the importance of we're, we all can create that list of how we sabotage ourselves. Right. We set a goal. We we have behaviors that interfere with accomplishing that goal, and the risk is we feel bad. We feel like we're failures. That this will never change. And our energy just drains out right there, and that's where we stay stuck. Mm-hmm. So I think that part of the experiment in here is to experiment with not feeling guilty. Experiment with not feeling like I'm a bad person because I'm not making this change, but instead get curious. That's the invitation in the immunity to change is get curious. Is there something else operating under the surface? Yeah, I would I might say it slightly differently, which is okay. to, as you say, get curious, but to not judge yourself, to observe, yes. mm-hmm. to observe whether you're feeling guilty or not. Mm-hmm. 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 Say, huh, well, it's almost like being a third person. Well, there it is again. So I'm going to mm-hmm. put that over there for now and focus on just five minutes of not feeling guilty. Yes, and why that's so important in the change process is when we're feeling bad, when we're feeling guilty, is it, it, there's a narrowing, and we, we're more inclined to go back to those old neural pathways. Right. Whereas if we can stay in a place that's at least neutral, if not even slightly positive, I think that's one of the things I like about curiosity because people can maintain a little bit of positive when they start to get curious. That's when there's a greater opportunity for change to occur. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. That's so it's, exactly right. It's a really key piece in, in the change process to be on the alert for those negative, that negative self-talk, the self-image that says, oh, this is always the way it is, you know, in, in, the, in the worksheet, to just stay stuck on the second column where here's what my goal is, I'm not achieving my goal, I'm a bad person. It'll never change. That's the place that, that most of us get. That's the easiest place to get stuck. And so that's the one where we really need to, to put our focus so we can move forward and, and unlock what the hidden, hidden um, competing commitments are and then the big assumptions. Exactly. I've tried this before. It didn't work before. What am I going to do now? Yeah. Just you get know. into neutral and then... Might as well ch- give up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't want to do that. We're all familiar with that one. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's really easy to get into, a, into a, that default position. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're coming up on a break. And, uh, but before we do, I want us to, uh, to say that we're going to expand this conversation out in the next segment. We're going to talk about 
families in this conversation and immunity to change. And I repeat again that there is some really terrific work. It's becoming more mainstream. Brian, you pointed out an article in what magazine was it? It was in the Oprah magazine. Oprah Magazine about immunity to change and lots of resources on the web. So have a look and download the immunity map worksheet. Just have a look at it. Mm -hmm. So um, we will be back. Uh, We need to pause for a break and we'll be back in a minute to continue this conversation about immunity to change. If you'd like to join us, please call 866-472-5790 or email us at moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. I'm Ann Hutchins with my co-host Brian Farr, and you have money in your life. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you have financial goals for yourself? Do you want to be smart with money in all areas of your life? If you're ready to become more effective with your personal finances, then you might be ready to hire a financial coach. Since 2002, Brian Farr has helped hundreds of people improve their relationship with money. He's unbiased, honest, and approachable. If you'd like to learn more about financial coaching, visit Brian's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.brianhfarr.com. The goal of financial coaching is to open up the conversation around money with your spouse, your children, or your extended family. Anne Hutchins works with individuals, families, and financial professionals to improve relationships with money. Her work with clients is confidential, honest, and fun. Visit Anne's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.abhutchins.com. That's abhutchins.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Money in Your Life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. I'm Ann Hutchins with my co-host, Brian Farr. And today we're talking about immunity to change. And Brian, before we move on to talk about families and the conversation and how that how we deal with immunity to change in families, I think we have a couple of emails that, are, that address this immunity to change in couples, particularly in times of transition. Yes, yeah. There's one from Martha in Virginia, and she writes, I am in the process of divorce. What is the most important thing I should keep in mind financially as the process plays out? Yeah, it's that's a really that's an interesting question, and one of the things that I've seen with my clients is that 
the conversation around money or lack of conversation around money is exacerbated in times of stress and transition. Yes. And what we're talking about with immunity to change takes place over a time when there is no stress in transition. However, there are things that you can use. There are tools you can use in times of both stress and transition and immediacy. And the the biggest tool is this tool of what's really going on here. Yeah. uh, Meaning being the observer and just stopping Mm -hmm. before you go into a loop that you've gone into before, Mm -hmm. thinking, oh, he's always been like this or this is why we're getting divorced or what am I going to do? Just stop, take a pause, and train yourself to take that pause. Yeah, yeah. You're, the, the point you're bringing here ties into neuroscience um, because when we're under stress, we revert. Um, under stress, we, de- we regress. That's the cute way to say it. And so the, 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 these assumptions that, that get identified, the competing commitments that we've talked about that make change difficult, those are the things that are going to um, – it's almost like launching a computer program underneath the surface when right. we're in a time of stress or transition. That's and exactly so right. I That's really exactly. like what you're saying, Anne, is that if we can slow down, which is, is counterintuitive, we're, we're afraid or our emotions are revved up or whatever it might be, the last thing we want to do is slow down – but if we're able to slow down, then we won't be operating on the automatic pilot of these assumptions and competing, competing commitments. That's exactly right. The, yeah. and, and in a counterintuitive way, it actually reduces the stress. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. you don't say things that you, that you can't take back mm-hmm. and you begin to build a path. And, you know, in a, in a way, it's a time to experiment. This is a time of transition for both of you. So it's a time to experiment with how you want to be in your new life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and there's another email here. This is from Tyler. And uh, it's, it's a time of transition. But unlike divorce, this one sounds like it's got a lot of positive. Um, my wife and I are considering some major lifestyle changes over the next couple years where our income, income could drop, uh, at least temporarily. And so this is one that, that what he's, he's asking, so how, how best can we navigate with this, with this uncertainty? Um, mm. And when I listen to that one, now that, unlike the divorce where two people are separating and then there's the added communication challenges that come with that, this is two people who are close together. They're working in partnership and they're saying, we want to make changes in our life. How do we navigate through this? Yeah, I, I guess I would come back and say that I hear there there is also a potential for the fear to come in. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Do we, do we have enough? How are we going to? And, and that's where the stress will come in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is enough? So, again, if you can take the time and take the time or even take the second and mm-hmm. pause and begin to review what story – and I mean that in a very positive way, because it's not a made-up fiction, but it is a pattern that has worked for you in the past. Yep, the storyline. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, what that storyline is and how you go forward. And and again, the only person that we can change is ourselves. Mm-hmm. And what we have found time and again, both Brian and I have found time and again with clients, is that money is the main stress factor. And it's a lot less about the money than it is about the story of money for each of our clients. Mm-hmm. And each of those stories has validity. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. pay attention. It's valid. It got you to a place where you are. And you can change it to fit where you are and where you want to go forward. Where you want to go. Yeah. You know, Tyler had another question here in his email, uh, which kind of fits into this. He, he asks, should we consult a financial coach or a certified financial planner? And I think that that's a very interesting question and it ties into what you're saying, Anne, because in that exploration, I would say the answer to Tyler is he he and his wife might well be served by talking to both. Mm-hmm. A certified financial planner is going to be able to really look at the numbers, give some comp- projections, some future projections about um, where they're, you know, if they've got a 401k or what their expenses are going to be and, and do some of that forward-looking analysis Whereas the financial coach could help them with this, these more these competing commitments and the assumptions, these these storylines to get more clarity around those both individually and then as they hold them as a couple. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. The financial planner will give you the nuts and bolts of what your money will do, what kind of return you can expect or Mm -hmm. guesstimate on it for a certain allocation that's given. So they will be able to give you that comfort of a plan. Mm -hmm. However, as Brian says, if you are not clear about what your money story is, then all the plans in the world are going to be as good as the paper that they're written on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Your 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 money story and your values. And yeah. this is where the, the couple, um, you know, coming together is what are our values and then yeah. and, and, and to be able to get clear on that. Then what the financial planners can give you will really be put to the service of your, the, the truth of your life, your true nature, your values. Yeah, um, and I would also say for people who have not experienced financial coaching, financial coaching can be as short as six one-hour sessions or it can be a year. It, de- it totally depends. You should have a much longer relationship with your financial planner than you do with your financial coach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it can be a periodic with the financial it, coach. I have clients that come back two or three years later when there's yeah. another transition in their life. Yeah, exactly. Just to clarify, you mm-hmm. should have a much longer consistent relationship with your financial planner. Than, mm-hmm. than with your financial coach. I have. I also have clients who check in at the end of a year and say, "Wow, this is what this is where we were with our planner, and this is how our plan went, and this is where yeah. this is yeah. what's changed in our life." It's an ongoing process, just as money in your life is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, Anne, I think we have time to talk about a family situation. We do, and one of the things that I see a lot is difficulties in family when we talk about transitions when there is a death in the family. 
when they're typically when there's an estate transfer. Yeah. That's that's when the tensions come up. That's when, just like the divorce situation, that's when the stress is the highest, and that's when a lot of emotions and story, old stories about money and mother always liked you best, and you always got everything <laughs> when you were a kid, and and it can be it can be jarring for a family, and it can take families apart, and it doesn't have to be that way. Right. And the, we go back to the, the same tools for immunity to change. And it all comes down to conversation and agreements and communication. It comes down to communication and agreements about how people are going to operate and then how, how you individually operate. What is okay. really going on for you? So, just as an example. Good, good. uh, And again, these are composite uh, clients. There's no one client, but uh, frequently when there's an estate that passes on, there is a trustee. Sometimes it's a family member, sometimes not. If it's a family member, it can be a very difficult situation. That's when the... the, uh, that's when the emotions get most heightened. So a family dies, or the, the parents both pass away, significant assets pass on to a family of, let's say, three. Okay, so there's three surviving there are children. Three adult, three adult children. Two are married, one is not. And of the two that are married, one has children. So already you can see how there are going to be competing, not competing, I don't like that word, but there are going to be different frameworks for each of them. The family with the children is thinking about legacy for the children. And the family without children, depending on what their financial situation is, may or may not be thinking about legacy. They may or may not be having kids. And then there's the single person. And the what you want to do again is have an agreement about how you have how you're going forward, how you talk about the will. Mm-hmm. You talk about how you process things. So in this family, what they decided to do, the parents had left things equally to all three children. Okay. And the agreement after some time the agreement that they had was that the uh, the adult children who were inheriting would be the ones who were communicating, that spouses would be communicated to directly by the inheritor, if you will, but they wouldn't be part of the overall conversation. So was the purpose of that was to simplify the conversation, to keep was. it just to the three siblings? Yes. Okay. Yes. So because that's, a, that's a ground rule. That was a ground rule that they decided not because they wanted to, uh, not because they wanted to leave the spouses out, right? But because it was really important to set that ground rule and to um, and to simplify the agendas, if you will. Well, I could see too that the one sibling who didn't have a spouse would be 
the the odd person out by not having a spouse in the room anyway. So at, even at that level, it equalizes it for all three there to be just as as single people. Exactly right. Yeah, and and because and then because they all knew, and I'm going to go through this relatively quickly because gosh, we're running up against our time. Uh, because they all knew that they had different spending habits and different ideas about money. One liked to collect things. One didn't really care about things. And one was sort of in the middle. They agreed that everything in the estate would have value. Even if it wasn't appraised, they would, things that weren't appraised would have a hundred dollar value. And they would add them all up and divide them by three. So everybody had a value and the one that wanted more stuff would take more stuff and that value would be added up. Mm-hmm. And if she went over her allotment, then she would pay the other two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it, it became equalized and it that's not to say there weren't tensions. Sure. But it was one of the most effective ways that I've seen of dealing with a, a potentially contentious estate. Yeah. There's two, two things I'm hearing in there is that the clarity – they established some ground rules that gave them clarity. Right. And then when the emotions got high, they had something they could return to. Exactly right. They, they could come back to the ground rules. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. right. And it's important in these conversations to acknowledge the emotion. Yes. Because the, because it does come up. It's not something that you just say, oh, you're, you know, you're being silly again. Roll the eyes, click the tongue, whatever you're doing. <laughs> that will happen. And it's okay for somebody to say, you know, I, I see that you're doing that. And this is how it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. I'm noticing that we only have a few minutes before we close. And I'm sorry to have rushed through that, but. No, that was helpful. I think, and, and one of the things, like you, you, as you introduced it, it is the same set of skills identifying what it is that the, the, the resistance on the surface and then come back to what's going on underneath the surface and just being willing to go slow enough to acknowledge all of that. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. Okay. You know, so. Well, you know, one of the things I want to do is, is do the shout out here once again for the book is Immunity to Change. The authors are Robert Kagan and Lisa Leahy. They're at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. And uh, if you Google it, the, uh, you'll find some great, great resources online. Like this has been out for a while. And the one in particular I want to refer to is the Oprah Magazine. Uh, it was January 2009 of Oprah. And it's a book called You Don't Need, excuse me, it's an article, You Don't Need More Willpower. And it's just four pages, I think. And it's a great, great way to walk, walk through this process. Great. Before we go, I'd like to just give us a tease for next week, if we can. Perfect. The uh, Next week, our guest will be Kevin Salwin, a media entrepreneur, former reporter, whose family has a remarkable story of overcoming immunity to change. I don't want to give away too much, but Kevin will tell us how one's family act of philanthropy completely transformed the relationships with their foursome. Yes. It's a remarkable story, so please join us. And until then, I'm Ann Hutchins. And I'm Brian Farr. Please keep this conversation going because you have money in your life. (laughs) 
Thank you for making Money in Your Life part of your financial plan this week. Please join your hosts, Ann Hutchins and Brian Farr, again next Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 